Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today we have Jody Sensi, who is the HR Director at Primary. Welcome, Jody. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's great to be here. I'm very excited. So tell us a little bit about what you do at Primary and why you do it. Sure. So um, I'm the HR Director for Primary.com. We're a kids clothing brand that is all about all colors for all kids. Um, so it's, it's a very fun company to work for um, with just such a fun mission and like great colorful products. Um, I, I got into HR, I guess, kind of the same way that most people do, I think, um, which is selling knives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the traditional route. <laughs> I don't, are you familiar with Cutco knives? Oh, yes. One of my brother's uh, friends tried to sell in our family some knives when my brother was in high school. <laughs> It was quite the scene. <laughs> so for those uh, not familiar with Cutco, uh, fantastic knives that are sold primarily via cash-strapped college students. So I, I did that for a summer and then also did two summers running my own sales office, um, which was such a cool opportunity. And I learned so much, including um, I, I don't enjoy sales. Like that was kind of my biggest takeaway. But also realized that I really did enjoy things like onboarding, training, development, and that's sort of how I discovered HR and decided like this was going to be my focus. Um, and I was really excited though to interview with Primary. So mm-hmm. you know I've talked a little bit about you know the every color for every kid, but it has this very inclusive message. And you know I went on their homepage to prep for my interview, and the first thing that I saw was a kid using crutches you know, right there on the front page, modeling their clothes. And as a person who spent a lot of time on crutches as a kid, like I, I just, I felt at home and, um, you know, it, it almost feels a little cheesy, like as a setup for, you know, the conversation to come, but, um, it just, it felt fitting, like ending up at a company like primary. Yeah. That's really wonderful to hear. And I mean, representation is, can be found in so many ways. Yes, and it still really amazes and saddens me how little representation we have of people with disabilities. So yeah, I, I think it's it is so important. And if me as a kid, if I could have seen something like that, I I can't even imagine what that would have done for my confidence to just yeah. know that like this isn't just something that's happening to me. There are other kids like me. So it it feels really special being able to work with a company that's moving that message forward. Yeah. And so this is, you know, what we're going to dive into. I know that the company provided a lot of support for you when you ran into, you know, your own diagnosis. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? So we, and we're going to be talking about this quite a bit today. (laughs) Yeah, we will just jump right in. Um, (laughs) So my my story with like illness and disability really is a lifelong story. So I have a genetic disorder that has affected most of my joints and much of my life has been kind of woven in and out with surgeries and kind of being othered because I was going through significant medical problems. Mm-hmm. Um, in the workplace, however, that was something that I just chose to not identify with at all. I certainly could have asked for accommodations at any place that I've worked and would have been considered disabled under the ADA. Um, I needed accommodations in high school for a sleep disorder that I have. I needed accommodation in college for 
chronic hand pain that I have. So it always has been part of my story. I just really didn't want it to be. And so I just, I, I didn't talk about it at work. I never really talked about the fact that I get sick more than other people. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as I had ergonomic equipment, like I was usually okay and I could hide it. So that that's like a little bit of the backdrop of like, you know, now setting into like about what I think was about two years ago. So right before I started a primary and was just like a little bit of hand pain and given my history, like I just ignored it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things really started to pick up though this summer. So pain was starting to set into all of my joints, which I still thought was arthritis. Um, My, my physical stamina was just deteriorating like pretty much by the day. Mm -hmm. And I was becoming really scatterbrained, like in a way that was like, this isn't just, you know, every day we get a little older kind of thing. Like some, something just like felt a little off. Um, So as we turned the quarter to August, I was nearly physically like fully disabled. And I was just, I was in so much pain and I had become so weak. And as it was, I was only even able to work at all because I'm fully remote and could work from my bed. Mm -hmm. So like remote work works. Um, but like, this is kind of when I first had to break down and have the first of several talks about needing some accommodations. Yeah. At this point, I still thought it was bad joints and I had simply asked for a new mouse. Um, so just a, like a vertical mouse because mm-hmm. I, I was in so much pain, like I couldn't even turn my wrists oh my and God. even, even like oh. admitting that I was having that much trouble was very scary. Yeah. Um, and then the pain just continued to get worse. Uh, to a point that it was just, it was no longer possible that it was just bad joints. And with some more digging, that's when I found what I was pretty sure was my answer, which is that I have fibromyalgia. Mm. And it was at this point where I had to ask for some pretty major accommodations in the form of a very reduced schedule. Um, So at this point, I only had like a couple of even remotely good hours in me throughout the whole day. Wow. Um, and I, I floated the need at this point for some sort of short-term disability or something. Mm-hmm. I had started on some medication that was helping with one of the sources of, you know, what I now understand is the, the fibro pain, but yeah. it was going to be weeks until I was up to any sort of a meaningful dose. And it was still weeks away until my appointment with a, a rheumatologist to make a diagnosis. So yeah. I I wasn't even sure, like, who would fill out disability forms if I needed to take time off? Like I didn't have a doctor yet. I didn't have a diagnosis. Right. Plus I'm an HR team of one. So I was playing both the role of HR and disabled employee in my own interactive process, which I was having with my managers who also happened to be the CEOs and co-founders of my company. So like there was just nothing normal about like how any of this was happening. Layer on top of that, like for all of the HR people listening, we were about a week away from mid-year reviews and a month away from open enrollment. So like the idea of going on leave just seemed like completely impossible, but also seemingly very unavoidable. Like, but how do you do reviews and open enrollment with no HR? So like I was flipping out, but like couldn't uh, because I just, I couldn't work. Um and was facing like the very real possibility of having to exit the workforce. Like mm. there was just, I, I didn't know what my life was going to look like. Yeah. Um, so like there was, there was a lot. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I realized like this situation is, is a little, you know, maybe unusual, but like at the same time, like it's not because like, there's always more going on in someone's head than just an accommodation that they're asking for. Um, 
But like, I knew at this point, I was going to need so much flexibility. And mm-hmm. you know what I got? Flexibility. Um, I I was allowed to work basically as much as I was able, oh, which, as I said, cool. initially, it was only a couple of hours a day that I could even like pull yeah. myself together to like sit up and try to concentrate to do work. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a good like six to eight weeks before I was really back up to pretty much a full week. Which like brings us basically to where we are now. So this is all very much like real time, like very recent history yeah. things that's happening. Um, and now that I'm learning more about like exactly what it is that's going on in my body and like starting to get some medication to the mix, I like to think at this point that you wouldn't necessarily know that I have fibromyalgia or I have some mm-hmm. sort of invisible illness unless I told you. Yeah. Um, and that's because I was given this huge amount of flexibility and trust. And that really changed my entire experience of going through this because it really easily could have turned into like, we like, this is too much of a problem for us. Like you're too difficult. Like any of these scenarios that I saw happening in my head that would have led me to the conclusion that like, full-time work was no longer possible in my life. Um, But by being granted the ability to like work through what was happening in my life, I still, you know, am employed and have figured out ways to successfully stay employed because of flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And the thing I always say is that people don't want to be absent. They don't want to do a bad job or let others down. Um, So, you know, when you're not able to work, like physically not able to work, there's that guilt that also you're experiencing too. So if anyone, you know, if, if anyone responds in a way that is like, how are you not doing your part? It just makes that person feel even more guilty. There is just such a huge amount of vulnerability when Mm -hmm. you are faced with something that kind of changes what you know about yourself, I guess. Um, And it's very scary to have to say to your employer, to the people who like control your livelihood, basically, I'm not able to do the job that I was hired to do. And Mm -hmm. how someone responds to that makes all the difference. Yes, truly. So for people, because it's uh, fibromyalgia is a, an invisible illness, so mm-hmm. you people don't really, you can't see it on someone. So can you share for anyone listening who is may not be familiar uh, with the diagnosis and disease, what does it look like um, and how does it affect your day to day? Yeah, so I'm going to like or- definitely... What does it feel like? I think that's a more appropriate question. <laughs> yes. And I love taking my little moments now to like try to educate people about it because it's a surprisingly like not uncommon diagnosis, mm-hmm. but it's still very misunderstood even by a lot of doctors. And much of what I have learned has been through finding out on my own, like mm-hmm. my rheumatologist was not helpful and like made it very apparent that I was taking up more of her time than she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fibromyalgia, basically what is going on in my body is that I have turned into a car whose car alarm is going off, even though there's nobody around for miles. So normally your um, parasympathetic nervous system is what's in charge. That's the rest and digest mode, it's called. 
And people are more familiar with the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. That is only supposed to kick in when you're in danger. So with fibromyalgia, your default mode switches and suddenly your fight or flight mode has taken over and is just running the show all the time. Fight or flight is great, like for those short bursts. Like if I was being chased by lions, like I am really well suited right now to run away from lions, but it's really destructive on your body when it's happening full time. Mm -hmm. So a few of the things that happen in fibromyalgia, um, the first is that I haven't gotten into deep sleep when I'm asleep in months. So mm -hmm. like deep sleep is not helpful when you're being chased by lions. So your mm -hmm. brain stops going into it. So there's just an amazing amount of fatigue that happens. Um, your muscles tense up because you're prepared to run. And having muscles that are tense 24-7 becomes incredibly painful. Yeah. It also aggravates your nerve endings. So you have both muscle and nerve pain all throughout your entire body. And your digestion comes to nearly a halt. So you are no longer properly digesting foods. You're not getting energy from your food. You're not getting restorative sleep. So you're just kind of running on fumes all the time. So like it affects my work in a lot of ways, but primarily it is a now very uncooperative body and what they call fibrofog. Um, mm. I was not like content with just fibrofog because like that doesn't sound like something I can fix. So I started paying very close attention to like what these cognitive symptoms really are. And what it comes down to is a lot of the same executive function problems that people with neurodiversity experience. So people mm. who have ADHD, autism, dyslexia, there are a lot of these traits that show up in people with fibromyalgia because those aren't things that you need to manage when your body's in danger. So they kind of just shut off because you're conserving your normal functions so that you can run from the lions. Um, so I've like had to adapt to this like newly neurodiverse brain. Mm -hmm. um, but because I figured out that it was connected to these other things, there are resources out there that I've been able to start figuring out like how to block my day and mm -hmm. how to try to avoid a lot of back-to-back -back meetings, which I have figured out like triggers this fog. Like when I have to do a lot of like mental switching, yes. it, it'll, it'll start to like get very mentally taxing. Um, I, I flip words around in sentences now a lot and I'll also like, I'll start a word, but then finish the word with whatever I was going to say next. Um, so there's like just these very bizarre patterns that like, I just have to kind of roll with. And, you know, I do a lot of like talking with my company. And, and so I just had to like get really comfortable with all of a sudden, like, I'm not as good at presenting and like, I, you know, just all of these things have changed, but having like a really great supportive environment made it a lot less scary that all of a sudden I'm like stumbling on my words a bit and having like, I'll, I'll forget in the middle of a conversation, what the conversation is about. And like, that's so like, it's funny when it happens, like, you know, like at the dinner table, but like when you're in a meeting and like, you completely forget what you're talking about, like that is really embarrassing. And mm -hmm. so like having these understandings that like, even if you can't see what's happening with someone that like, we're all, kind of fighting our own little battles, I think is a helpful way for us to kind of approach each other in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like another thing for people to understand too, is that there is just such a range of disability within a disability. 
Um, so because so your fibromyalgia is completely maybe completely different from someone else's fibromyalgia. So yes. if someone who knows someone who is able to manage it all right, able to they get flares like maybe once a month, they're they're, you know, there's that impression that, oh, everyone experiences this when it's, you know, everyone experiences their disability differently. Yes. And I think it's also true with a lot of disabilities, and it's certainly true with fibromyalgia that my disability varies day to day, sometimes even hour to hour. Um, yeah. You know, like yesterday, I had a great day and I barely remembered that I had fibromyalgia. But a different day, like last week, I had a day that I kind of could tell from the get go was not going to end as a good day because I had a lot of meetings. And sure enough, by the end of it, like, unfortunately, it was an interview. And I was like, trying my best to keep it together. But like, my brain fog was real. And, you know, that that was a struggle. And some days I don't have enough control over my calendar to be able to prevent it. And I kind of just have to like, now address it head on. And so I, I told the candidate, she was so good about it. I was just like, you know, it's just been one of those days back to back meetings. Like, that's all I said. I didn't go into the whole, like, I have fibromyalgia and I've had 85 meetings. But like, <laughs> there are just easy ways that like, you can be upfront that you're experiencing a struggle without having to like go into the whole thing. But I have found that it's easier now just to like, when I'm having a moment, it it's not going to get better until I've had a chance to take a break. So yeah. when I can't take a break, like, I just have to say, like, I'm sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained, but like, let's have fun getting through this. Mm -hmm. And I think for me personally, um, because if, you know, regular listeners, they know I have migraine um, being, I think it's important to, you know, recognize that we are people who we cannot do the traditional job as we know it, the nine to five in an office. And for me, I ran into trouble with that. And uh, I feel like if I were not in my position now, an employer would be really mad at me for taking five, six days a month because my brain is really going through this like violent battle yeah. <laughs> with itself. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible that your your company allowed you to have that time. I like I I have told them about about a billion times and I will continue to tell them like just how much that meant to me yeah. and I will say I so like being in HR not only do I typically drink the Kool-Aid like I'm usually the one pouring it like <laughs> my my level of engagement is usually very high and I will say it's never been higher than it is right now and yeah. that is the power of treating your employees like the people that they are and letting them kind of work through these things oh Stop like, it. You're, I'm like <laughs> getting misty eyed. Um, yeah. I mean, I can so relate because the moment I stepped into a supportive environment where people understood like not her fault, I'm not going to make her feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. I started doing some incredible work, like I work, I was so proud of and work that I was complimented on just because that, that switched in my life. Yeah. Having that kind of sense of I guess it comes down to a psychological safety but yeah being it really took a big piece of like the mental aspect of this out of the equation and freed up a lot of room for me to just now do really great work 
especially now that I've figured out like the brain fog hack. Um, I admittedly like so now kind of in retrospect, it's always the hindsight's 2020. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see like the the cognitive symptoms, how they spread over the last two years. And there were a couple of different times that I actually looked up ADHD because I could tell something was going on. Okay. And like it didn't quite fit, but I knew that I was having more trouble concentrating and I was having trouble organizing my work in a way that I wasn't before. Mm. And uh, like, so I've also had a lot of anxiety the whole time I've been at primary because I've known that like something wasn't clicking in the way that it used to. And Mm. I couldn't figure out why. And that like, there's just no like alternate universe scenario where I would have felt comfortable just like, saying to my boss something something feels weird and I don't know why but like I can't think as well as I used to Hmm. those are just not not conversations that are like no way was I gonna say that so I just struggled and blamed myself the whole oh my goodness I look back at like my negative self-talk over the last two years and I just want to like hug myself because I I really put a lot of blame on myself for like how much I for how forgetful I was becoming, mm. um, and just all of these little brain lapses that I I just I blamed it on myself. And the same with my slipping stamina, to be honest. Like I was working out regularly and I thought I was just not pushing myself hard enough. Mm. Like, what kind of weird culture do we have that like yeah. I missed this because I just thought that I wasn't trying hard enough? Mm. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> like we could probably do a whole like rabbit hole deep dive onto like how convoluted that statement is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, I understand it, brain fog and aphasia, which is, um, you know, where you, that feeling where you lose your words, essentially mm-hmm. it's a, it's a weird feeling because I get it. You know, migraine fog is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't listen to these podcast episodes because there, you will find times where I slip because of, of migraine brain and, you know, it's so nice to have people who like understand and accept that vulnerability of like, when you say, oh, I've had meetings back to back or, oh, I've had to be on all day. Um, Because I feel like when we are vulnerable, um, that humanness opens up and people are like, okay, they have problems. I have problems. I can kind of like let myself go a little bit. Like we all try so hard. Yeah, and it's definitely caused a shift in how I approach HR. And, mm. you know, for someone who has, I like, I already have chronic medical conditions. Like, I didn't need fibromyalgia to be highly sympathetic to the plight of employees with disabilities, yeah. even though I refused to, to like, consider. Do you, how many of those job applications did I not fill out that I identified as having a disability either because I didn't want to believe it or because I didn't think I was disabled enough. Um, But like, I still thought that it was enough, first of all, just to like have a well-worded ADA policy in your handbook. Like that's not enough to put people at ease. Like this is terrifying. Having to experience something that changes your ability to work requires a, a little bit of a lower barrier to entry. Um, you know, what kind of resources can we put up on our employee intranets? Like, can we make this public facing? Can we update our career pages to like let candidates know exactly how to ask for the help that they need? 
Um, I'm going to plug the third-party software that I have brought into the mix now as a result of this, um, which is called Disclow. And its um, its purpose is to be a third party to handle all of your workplace accommodations. So kind of from my experience of having to do it the wrong way, I just didn't want anyone else to have to go through that. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that everybody had a very supportive environment to do this. And so it's something that I'm just so excited to be able to roll out to employees because I think it's now even more important that people understand that there is help. and. It doesn't have to be like big, expensive help, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like so far, like, okay, I did get like a pretty nice voice control software, but like my hand pain's pretty bad. But like the first thing I asked for was a $25 mouse. And I was afraid to ask for that because like I was afraid to use any budget. So oh. like there's there's just things that like we can do to make this process less scary. And maybe yeah. that's because, like, I have HR brain of, like, always thinking about, like, you know, HR is a cost center, you know, how how am I going to frame this, you know, as a, a value add? I'm like, I, I just need a new mouse. So um, yeah. it certainly opened my eyes to what the accommodation process is really like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. Um, so, you know, one thing I, I can tell that you are so proud of your work. You're someone who, you know, has ambition. So how do you give yourself grace when you aren't able to hit those goals that you thought you were able to hit at a certain time or take on something that is exciting, but you know you don't have the capacity to do it? That is a great question. And I wish that I was at the point where I had a good answer for that. But mm -hmm. I will say that that is something that I'm still struggling with. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this is all still so new that it's very hard to realize that like when I'm approaching like that point when you know most people will get that like oh need to step away that that usually means my day is done yeah. and yeah. I don't have another cylinder that I can push to anymore right. and that is a very hard adjustment to make and I do need to learn how to give myself grace and to applaud what I am able to do. And that I think is something that a lot of people with um, chronic pain and chronic illnesses that steal your stamina, the way um, some of these like autoimmune diseases, certainly fibromyalgia, um, MS, any of these, like um, it's, it's hard to all of a sudden everything you have to be so diligent about how you allocate your time and realize that you're not going to get to a lot of things that you wanted to. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at laundry that I wish I had put away yesterday, but like maybe today, maybe by Friday, like there's just every part of my life. I kind of have to like reassess everything. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of want to get you only have or you don't have an extra cylinder. I want to get that frame yeah. and my, my desk, like reminder, like look up. <laughs> yeah, and I that's that's one that I still run into is like, oh no, oh okay, no, we're we're really done for the day. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to like, you know, learn how to manage that a little bit better. And that is what I've spent kind of a lot of the last, I can't believe it's now been two months. Like I feel like I've just been in this like time freeze almost um since all of this kind of really started to unravel 
Yeah. Well, Jody, this has been such a, a wonderful conversation and vulnerable conversation. Thank you so much for opening up about your experience, um, you know, the challenges that you face as an employee and people leader. Um, that is, that that's complex <laughs> that you're in. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up completely, is there anything that you would like to add or think that I missed uh, in our conversation? You know, the one thing that I I kind of just want to add on the flexibility piece is yeah. that it's something that really can be baked into can and should be baked into a company culture. And it it doesn't just need to be kind of like this one-off experience that I had, but to really have this culture of flexibility. If I ever do leave primary, it's it's gonna be something I'm gonna need to look for. Um you know, obviously, I, I, I have a reason that I could request the accommodation to say work remotely, but um, I, I like having flexibility just built in to the culture because it gives me control over when and how I disclose my disability. Yes. Um, and and I think that's a really important thing for leaders to remember, as especially because there's so many conversations still about return to work mandates. Um, and the position that puts disabled employees in, um, by getting an accommodation to work from home, now my disability is forced in front of everyone. Or if I'm forced to try to make my body somehow work in an office and I'm like plopping down in a conference room, like doing my like fascia stretches, like now I'm the weirdo who stretches in the conference room. Yeah. So like by having flexibility baked into your policies, like it obviously I'm very like forthcoming with my medical problems, but it gives me autonomy yeah. over how and when I disclose. And I think that's something that every employee with a disability deserves. Yes, 100% agree. Well, if you or anyone you know is like Jody and wants more flexibility for employees in the workplace, email me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.